This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of October 2nd, 2021. GABF happened. Sorry we weren't here. Is your whiskey counterfeit? Buffalo Trace thinks it might be. Bernard Richard buys something, but it's not exactly a new spirit. Truly is opening a tap room? Read the room, Boston beer. All this and more on the Have a Drink News. show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser, And I'm Christopher Walker, and let's get right into the news. Yes, so uh, it's been a minute since the event, but we want to give a brief roundup, I guess, from the Great American Beer Festival, a.k.a. GABF. Um, so it usually happens the same weekend as Oktoberfest in Zanatti for us. Uh, this time... Wasn't it the weekend after? It was the weekend before. The weekend before. Okay. Yeah. So messing everybody up. This year with dates and times and everything, just totally messed up. So that's usually the reason Jim doesn't do much for Jim Cook. Oh, okay. For uh, Oktoberfest in Zanatti. He usually comes, he, wait, he does, he misses judging at GABF to fly here because he's there Friday night to like, you know, do, present the beer that Boston Beer is putting up. Flies here, does this, and then has to fly back somewhere. Like he's usually in and out of town. He didn't even come to Oktoberfest this year. I yeah, think, so. but to be fair, it's also a weird year. I think they're missing out on an opportunity for more beer festivals as sort of like a pro- progression to get to the Great American Beer Festival. Like he started the OK American Beer Festival, <laughs> and then the Good American <laughs> Beer Festival, and those that that win they, there. They already do that. There's a Taste of the Midwest. No, 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 no. I. <laughs> I mean, in these names. The OK Beer Festival. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, so this was the 35th uh, Great American Beer Festival and uh, held in Denver, of course. And uh, so it's 265 breweries that are involved with this. Um, Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. That's uh awards were handed out to 265 i was gonna say that seems low thousand yeah 2192 breweries from all 50 states that were entered including washington dc and and puerto rico which aren't states ah you know i always just lump them in but yeah uh the ceremony was live streamed which was interesting uh for this year we didn't watch it because i didn't know that (laughs) i think i remember hearing Uh, about it i just forgot I thought you had to buy virtual tickets. It was probably that, too. Maybe, yeah. But anyway, so uh, the winners for each category. We're just going to do a run-through of this. Um, Yeah, so the Juicy or Hazy IPA category. Gold was the Deadhead IPA series from, uh, how do you say this? Destill Brewery? Sure. Uh, From Normal, Illinois. Wonderful city name. Um... Silver was 
Art is hard. I like that <laughs> from name. North Park Beer Company, yeah, like in that, San Diego. That feels like a good beer name to me. Like, like, what are you making? Like, look, you want to call it art? Art's hard. Win. Uh, and then the bronze in this category was called Blist, and that is Dang. from Attitude Brewing Company, also from San Diego. So two San Diego uh, winners there. I want them to be across the street from each other, and desperately. Because that's how I'll, I'll do it. And work. North Park is just looking at the other one going like, oh, bronze. That's good. Good good for you. Uh, and there were 427 entries into that hazy category, interestingly enough. Uh, the next one, American Style IPA, 404 entries, which initially when I saw this, I was like, 404. Did we have an error somewhere? Okay. Yes, that's just <laughs> my head. Uh, so gold was from Von Ebert Brewing in Portland, and that is called the Volatile Substance. Also a great name for a beer, quite frankly. Um, silver was JAF IPA from the JAFB Wooster Brewery in Wooster, Ohio. Jeff Ipa. Jeff Ipa. Sorry, I'm the like, look, there's something just, there. I'm like, what is going on with this name? Uh, next, bronze is... The, okay, so the beer, let's all not get confused with the bourbon name, but the beer is called Bullet. <laughs> no, I like uh, to imagine but, someone just submitted Bullet under the Indian Pale Ale. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, but this is from All Season Brewing Company in L.A. And they were all just very appreciative to get some whiskey that day. Just went, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. You know, mix it up. Uh, the next one is a fruited American sour ale. It's all horse crap. It's the biggest lie I've ever looked at in my life. Because Urban Artifact wasn't in there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so 249 entries. Not a ton, actually, compared to the others. But um, gold was called Sherbet Drip from Fall River Brewing Company in Redding, California. Silver was Tropical Hurt Locker. Great name. Short Fuse Brewing Company in Schiller Park, Illinois. Oh, and that's even funnier because oh. they're Short Fuse Brewing. Yeah. I Bombs and Hurt Locker is the defeat there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all around. This is this is the other thing. This is like more of a drinking game in and of itself. When you look at this and you're like doing drinks for the great names of the beers or breweries. Uh, anyway, bronze is Rasmin, Rasmin, not sure. Linwood Brewing in Raleigh, North Carolina. Next is the German style wheat ale, two twenty six entries. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Uh, so that same J A F B Wooster Brewery. Uh took the gold for their Hefeweizen. No weird name, just it's a Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Yeah. Uh, silver. Oh, Kusterer. Original Vice Beer from Cedar Springs Brewing in Michigan. First Michigan one. Um, bronze was Hazy Skies Hefeweizen from Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then finally, German-style Pilsner. Uh, 210 entries. Gold was the Meanwhile Pilsner. Meanwhile, Brewing Company in Austin, Texas. Silver was the Rail Pass from Bingo Beer Company in Richmond, Virginia. And bronze was the Golem Check Pills from Gemut Beer Garden in Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) So, uh, and it says Moontown Brewing in Whitestown, Indiana took home three medals, the most won by any individual brewery. Overall, 15 breweries won two medals. And the GABF saw 30 first-time entrants win awards, uh, which is nice. up from 19 last year. 
And locally, I got to say, there was the hilarity of Brink, where they were three years running gold medal in uh, milk stout slash sweet stout category. Got dethroned this year. I don't even think they did they medal. I think they got like bronze with it. But um, Third Eye, which is the brewery that one of the former, well, he's not a former owner. He's still an owner of Brink. But he and he was one of the brewers, but he spun off and is like master brewer and owner at at Third Eye now, <laughs> who took gold medal for that category this year. So yeah, uh, um, so Brink, yeah, the, Brink looks like they only won for uh, uh, hold the reins, Father G no. bees oh, or honey Father beer. G's bees. Yeah, yeah. they're honey beer. That's right. Um, yeah, I was just looking at the full list too. So the, yeah, the article that we just we just covered. It's just a rundown. Um, there is a full list of winners on the GABF site. So if you are interested in checking that out, um, you can go do that and, and look at the whole thing. You can sort by brewery, state, whatever. Um, I was just kind of glancing to see if Cincinnati got anything else, but uh, nope. What are you talking about? <laughs> Narrow Path did, I thought. Was it? No, I'm thinking of the other festival. There was yeah. a Midwestern one. Yeah, yeah. The path o- literally the only brewery from Cincinnati that got anything was Brink, and it's for that one. No, that Third one. Eye took gold. That's not listed on here. Unless they're not listing it as Cincinnati, and they're listing it as like a weird off city. Sharonville. Uh, yeah, it's not on here at all. Oh, wait, no, Sharonville. You're right, you're right. <laughs> That's on there. Okay. I was like, uh... But yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you know what else you can find online, in addition to the GABF winner list? Scams. Is it bootleg Fake. whiskey? It's bootleg whiskey. <laughs> uh, yeah, coming from Inside Hook. I uh, didn't know there was a news outlet involved with a Steven Spielberg movie from the '90s. Uh, <laughs> but Buffalo Trace is warning buyers about a new about new whiskey scams. A major red flag. Lower priced offers from out of state or country. Yeah. Uh, the fervor over investing in whiskey uh, brings out some bad actors, so much so that Buffalo Trace had to step in and suggest how to avoid online whiskey scams. Uh, Buffalo Trace is the oldest continuously operating distillery in America. They've got the medicinal waiver during a prohibition and is home to iconic distillers such as E.H. Taylor, George Stagg, Albert Blanton, Orville Shupp. Uh, and Elmer T. Lee, <laughs> pardon, uh, Buffalo Trace, the namesake brand, launched in 1999, as well as they have a lot of sub-labels, including Pappy Van Winkle. We've done a whole episode on just Buffalo Trace. Uh, if, if anyone's going to suggest how, to get, uh, how not to get tricked by the too-good-to-be-true whiskey offers, it's them. Uh, press release from the distillery notes, several disappointed fans have contacted the distillery letting them know that they ordered some Buffalo Trace premium whiskeys online from various sites, were charged for the transaction, and then received nothing, or in some cases, empty bourbon bottles, many of which were counterfeit and include plastic toppers and the bottle on the bottles instead of metal toppers used in legitimate bottles. Although various brands from Buffalo Trace's portfolio have been targeted, its Blanton's and Double Eagle Very Rare bourbons are being attacked particularly by the scam artists. So who who's buying secondary market stuff and then when they find out it's a scam and then why are they contacting Buffalo Trace as if the as if Buffalo Trace is going to do a damn thing about it? Yeah, like you didn't buy it from us, man. 
Buyer beware. We want we want our money back from you. And it's like we didn't sell you anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, so the thing goes on to say, how do you spot a scam? Well, first of all, Buffalo Trace itself doesn't sell its whiskeys online. Hmm. <laughs> Red flag number one. So Most you're dealing with one, probably. yeah. So you're dealing with third-party sites, some of which are now targets of legal actions taken by the distillery. So that might be the other reason they're doing it is to say, hey, at least shut these guys down. Yeah. Uh, in all but six states plus the District of Columbia, the website moves around on me. Uh, sorry, ads are bouncing around and it changed what I was reading. Uh, uh-huh. The District of Columbia, it's illegal to ship alcohol directly to consumers, explains Mary. Uh, Tortorice General Counsel Sazerac Company. Oh, pardon me. Uh, sorry, Sazerac makes me sleepy. Uh, one tip off is the uh, uh, is if the website will process your order. Uh, the website will process your order with shipping to your state. If you're located in one of the 54 states where shipping alcohol, uh, 44 states where shipping alcohol directly to your home is illegal, then you're probably getting scammed. Uh, other red flags include websites located in other countries and offer uh, unusually low prices. Uh, Buffalo Trace suggests reporting bad actors to the Better Business Bureau or your attorney state uh, or your state attorney's general office, uh, while also contacting your credit card company about its fraud protection policies. Uh, counterfeit whiskey has been a problem uh, in the country for years. In 2018, a report suggested that up to a third of rare whiskeys might be fake. Multiple methods have been used to attempt to uh, identify fake or tampered bottles, those methods involving lasers, artificial tongues, electrochemical taste devices, and blockchain. Uh, I too like the idea of the artificial tongue. It just sounds gross. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, too, like the idea of the artificial tongue. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new French kissing overlords. Uh you know who else welcomes new overlords? Who? People at the Whiskey Exchange. The Whiskey Exchange has been acquired by Pernard Richard. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. It, this this is one of those moves that rings like when, uh, uh, what was it, Rate Beer got bought by... By uh, uh, ABMBIV. Yeah. Uh, Bernard Richard recently signed an agreement to acquire the Whiskey Exchange, a leading spirits online and physical retailer, and the uh, reference for those who partake of global whiskey and fine spirits. Mm. Since its creation by Sukinder and Rajbir Singh, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. In 1999, the Whiskey Exchange, based in the UK, has become one of the largest online drinks retailers with a catalog of nearly 10,000 products. The Whiskey Exchange expanded its activities to on-trade supply and physical stores in the UK with several shops in London. It's also active in private sales and online auctions of rare spirits. Two fast-expanding areas, hey, reference our last story, where the Whiskey Exchange will team up with Bernard Richard. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless it's, I would still be dubious about some rare whiskeys. Actually, a lot of rare whiskeys. If it wasn't um, like one of those auction style things or a raffle. Yeah. Because there's no way you're going to be like, oh, this is such a great price for this like Pappy Van Winkle or whatever. 
like 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 oh this is this is basically at cost. And it's like no one's gonna sell you that. Yeah, you're just a dumbass. Anyway, so Kinder and whatever uh, founders of the whiskey exchange said in a prepared statement: after more than twenty years building the whiskey exchange, we are delighted to be joining the Bernard Richard family and working with them to take the business to the next level. The Whiskey Exchange and our customers have always felt like a family. And, and we're we leaving that look- family for a lot, <laughs> a lot of money. Exactly. We are looking forward to maintaining this ethos as we hand it over to our new partners who we think share our values, but we don't care because they're just driving the Brinks truck up into our driveway. <laughs> we may have started paraphrasing. Maybe. They uh. continued... Our mission remains the same, to offer the finest range of whiskeys and spirits from the best producers around the world. But we really don't care because it's not our problem anymore. It's theirs. <laughs> I could buy a money bin now. <laughs> going to Scrooge McDuckett. It's going to be the Benjamin Wash. Or it's, they're in the UK, so <laughs> what, the Queen? The Elizabeth that Wash. Oh, that's weirder. <laughs> Uh, you're something you're giving the queen a sponge bath anyway so uh, away from oh god (laughs) mind rattling thoughts uh alexander ricard uh chairman and ceo bernard richard said that the e-commerce is a key channel in their long-term strategy we are thrilled to work with the industry pioneers and uh to be to bring the whiskey exchange to new step of its development the Whiskey Exchange will continue to operate with its current team and structure until, you know, Bernard Richard decide to get rid of them in, you know, the next six months. That's how that stuff works. Yeah. Um, the founders but, uh, are staying on the They noted that yeah, the owners will be acting as joint managing directors for the time being until yeah. the check's clear, and then they say peace out. They are... Uh, when, I, when I see this, too, all I can think of is that they are... Uh, 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 like yeah so now Bernard Richard can be your one stop shop we'll make it and then sell it to you and reap only profit yeah we don't believe in middlemen here you know uh, you know who else is selling directly to the people who Boston Beer as they open up a hard seltzer tap room next year Doesn't that seem really weird just that sentence alone <laughs> It does. And you know what else is weird? Opening up a hard seltzer tap room when you are experiencing a slowdown in your your seltzer brand. However, this uh, America's second best-selling hard seltzer brand is soon to have its own dedicated tap room. Uh, the seltzer movement has uh, been a historic sea change in the brewing world, with Americans expected to consume more ready-to-drink beverages by volume than wine by the end of 2021. Maybe. I Yeah, I can see that. Uh, granted, some indications exist that hard seltzer metric may ri- uh, meteoric rise may be slowing down, but at least one of America's top brands has a new plan to keep the party going. Hard, uh, truly Hard Seltzer is opening its first dedicated tap room. Scheduled to arrive next year, Truly LA, as its brick-and-mortar tap room will be called, broke ground on the 8,000-square-foot, 350-person capacity indoor-outdoor venue in downtown Los Angeles in August. 
Although a number of smaller hard seltzer brands have their own tap rooms, a spokesman for Truly said that uh, the forthcoming facility will be the first tap room for a major national hard seltzer brand. At the very least, since White Claw doesn't have a de- uh, dedicated tap room, Truly, America's second best-selling brand, will have the largest ha- largest hard seltzer brand with a tap room. But will they have Utopias de- on draft? <laughs> Probably not. What I do see here is that they are expecting it to be populated by shadows from the pictures they are <laughs> putting up. I, you know, I, I, L.A. though, like, I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably the best idea as far as putting a tap room somewhere for that. I, I don't see seltzer drinkers as wanting to go to a tap room. No, as a matter like, of fact, that's for for most just seltzers, seltzer drinkers yeah. that I know. That's like if they're out somewhere, they usually don't drink a seltzer out. They they're drinking spirits or something else, and seltzers are when they're home and don't feel like mixing their own drink. Hmm. Like you're grabbing something out of the fridge. You're not going somewhere to you know like I don't know. Well, Boston Beer CMO, uh, our drink says our drinkers are all up. All about the about exploration and discovery. We want to give them uh, that in unexpected ways. Yeah, as they're explaining. Uh, oh, she goes on to say, we wanted to do something no one else has done, and that's how uh, Truly LA was born. At its core, uh, our brand is all about bringing people together and forming genuine connections. And Truly LA is a physical res- re- uh, representation of that sentiment. Uh, Truly's 12 taps will feature different beverages from the uh, brand's large range of varieties, uh, which beyond classic hard seltzers also includes lemonades, iced teas, and punch, as well as new flavors promised to uh, be exclusive to the tap room. In addition, uh, the complex will have a globally inspired menu of light bites, of course, and of course, Truly merchandise, including limited release items. Now, a few weeks ago, I would have laughed. Laughed. Are they gonna have popsicles? But their popsicles saved me in my in my hottest hour. And but you could have had you could as, have had as, chocolate cheesecake on a stick. Ugh. Can you imagine? Ugh. God, I wonder if they up. sold any. I, just, I wonder if they sold any all weekend because I never saw a soul making a purchase yeah. from that stand. <laughs> I don't think we saw them at that stand again after that first day. Like the next day, it was even hotter. They just didn't even show up. No, they were there. They just weren't like heckling us as we walked down the street. Oh. Fair. Okay. Uh, popsicles, though. But those popsicles were were tasty. So I, I can't I can't uh, uh, unequivocally unequivocally. Uh, uh, crap Pops on them. That's, so. that's another reason why I'm also like, like if they did have them there, mm. I'm like L.A. So somewhere where it's not gonna get cold, <laughs> and you're gonna be able to be like, oh, you know, the weather is gonna be right for like a hard seltzer for most of the time. And you I'm want like, pops right. cockles? Pops cockles, you can have. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe a winery will track. Pop scuckles that they sell with uh, I'm sensors. always going to be wondering, like, how is this going to work, this transition here? Um, <laughs> it's like this. Poorly. something completely different. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, kind of a, a cross-sectional uh, alcohol meets tech story. Ouch. 
Uh, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about a sectional couch. Oh, Sorry. No, that's where I'd like to be right now. Um, <laughs> so a Napa Valley vineyard, Bouchane? Question mark? Probably not saying that right. Sorry. Uh, is digitizing anecdotal knowledge Believe, uh, uh, traditionally shared between generations of wine growers and the visual cues growers receive as they walk through the vineyards. By using IoT sensors from Cisco Systems, the company tracks block-by-block data from its 100 acres of vineyards in the Los Carneros AVA. Um, The winery installed 12 IoT sensors, and IoT is Internet of Things, because they don't list that for some reason, Uh, IoT sensors in multiple vineyard areas, which gave the winemaking team real-time access to data that tracks temperature, light, humidity, wind, and water availability throughout their growing season. That's kind of sick. I feel like this is how I feel like this is how they make wine in the Federation. Oh, totally. Like Picard is on And Star Trek. Yeah. Um He's like, Computer, tell me about what the weather is like. You're outside, but how hot is it? Increase you, humidity. You know. Hmm. Increase humidity, computer. I can't fine. Just say <laughs> Uh, the sensor technology also measures the amount of light hitting individual grape vines within each block, giving the vintners valuable insight into the tannin development of grapes. That's... Through the grapevine. <laughs> right. Uh, How much love would you tannin mine? <laughs> Chris uh, Kajani, general manager and winemaker at Bouchane, said that high-end winemaking starts with how you grow the wine. Uh, I don't think you can grow wine. These sensors allow us to take our touch, our high-touch viticulture to new levels by assessing individual vineyard blocks. We can now dial in block-by-block vineyard operations such as leafing and irrigation, leading to optimized grape growing. So when they have, you know, when France has another season like they had uh, last year, they can see block-by-block just a horror story of of viticulture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they have, <clears throat> excuse me, they have six separate weather apps to watch things like humidity, temperature, and rain events. Uh, and each of those factors impacts when they pick, and that's the most significant decision they make every year. So that picking decision is huge uh, to move on from weather apps and see Bouchain specific data on a dashboard block by block with historical data allows them to make even more informed and precise picking decisions with a 360 view of the vines. Couldn't they do just one weather app? Why six? I don't know. I guess like per... No, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's an actual reason that we're not... You know, I'm sure it's six data gro- points growing. and they have to come in since Internet of Things, each different thing is a different app. Maybe. So each different sure. aspect that they're looking at is going to be coming in through a different app. Yeah. That would have been nice so it's just a different data point. So each app's only worried about one thing. Yeah. I was I was figuring it was probably something along those lines, but I also just like the idea of like, couldn't you just do one app? Did Did you just need to hire six different programmers when, when one would do? Well, they do? could just hire someone to link all those and like put the data point in one app for them, you would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, this is the this is the first year that they're trying this, so they don't have you know conclusive. They're 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 just figuring this out still, but um, 
because it's anything because of the horror story that are American vineyards at this point. Well, and I mean, at least they're not in uh, <laughs> California. Um, but so you just imagine that if they do this and they're like, yeah, there's some old, uh, some old, you know, vin, you know, some old vineyard worker like, no, you can't do it this way. This is not how we make. This is not the way we make our grape. We cannot. And like and he says at the beginning of the year, end of the year, they have grapes the size of pumpkins. <laughs> and he's like, all right, this is pretty good. Carving. And that, now I want to see them like carving the grape. Carving the grape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James and the giant grape. Right. James and the drunk ass grape. <laughs> More accurate. I should write children's books. Now. Explains um, why that grasshopper was so uptight. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So uh, the they're hoping basically that... Um, so one of the examples that they use is uh, if they can actually visually tell that, what the, that the weather's been really dry, um, they may be able to tell with the soil and humidity sensors that they may not need to water. So they're, they were going to be, you know, over or under watering... Um, that can be taken care of with this and, and all kinds of different things like that. So I'm, I'm interested to see like if we get a follow-up story sometime next year or, or even two years from now, depending on what but they this need. Is, so yeah, it's great for gathering data points, but you lose, you lose the kind of almost what Justin was getting at is <clears throat> like the, the, the old specialist the old way yeah, of, who like some yeah. guy would just go out there and just like grab a fistful of the dirt and put it in his mouth. And he could tell you that he's like, he could tell you be like, no, it's too moist or no, it's too dry. But the, the problem it, like in any industry right now is that those people aren't a thing anymore as much. They're know? all dead is kind of what kind you're saying. Of, yeah. Like that's the thing, well, you know, the, the people, but you know, would also be neat. You know what would also be neat is if one of their like ninety apps they use to check their stuff deploys uh deploys an army of drones that uh water the plants. Individually. That's next. Watering like, each yeah. leaf, turning it over. Well I'm just like picturing like, like like drones coming out and like popping water balloons over them. <laughs> I mean I I'm that's what I'm saying. Like this is next and the this is the first step, you know. There's, I like to picture it kind of a, the picture the picture from one of the wine stories we had I don't know, months ago, where it was showing the fires in the fields where that like they had torches up <laughs> to try and keep yeah. the untimely frost at bay. And it's you you have that eerie glow from all the torches mm. at night, and you hear fly to the Valkyries, and here come all these drones. <laughs> 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 and suddenly it just turns into apocalypse now. <laughs> some uh some uh, uh vineyard owner walks out like ah. Oh. I love the smell of grapes in the morning. <laughs> Smells like victory. So, speaking of apocalypse now. <laughs> yeah, good. Good job. That'll work. I was like, I'm taking this. I'm taking this. Now. That'll do. That'll do. Uh, if you like Coors beer, here's a no. Coors whiskey to try. There's something else I'm not going to like. The bottle. Five trail blended American whiskey for sixty dollars. I, mean, I can think of a lot better things for sixty dollars. The backstory: yeah. the Molson Coors Beverage Company, uh, trading under the ticker TAP, uh, one of the best tickers I can think of for them. 
is best known for uh, beer, as in Molson Canadian, the classic lager from north of the border, and as in Coors, the classic Colorado lager. And for Coors, for Coors's executive staff's time uh, backing, uh, 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 what's his name? They played music. Uh, no, I don't know. Never mind. I ruined the joke. <laughs> All right. No joke idea. about the Silver Bullet Band. And I could Bob Seger. Oh. oh yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Yep. But these days, uh, it also wants to make its mark in whiskey, and that, it, everyone's doing this. Didn't Paps do it? Last year, year before, uh, yeah, Paps or made, someone like it. Paps make made a whiskey. It was Pat, yeah, they probably worked with uh, New Holland. I would, if I was guessing, possibly. Mm. They um, have they have that relationship. Oh yeah, Paps and New Holland are in a distri- distribution agreement. Oh, sure. That's right. Yeah, uh, Molson Coors has just rolled out its first premium spirit, a whiskey it dubs Five Trail in reference to the five generations of Coors family. We we have a whole episode on the Coors. Mm-hmm. If you want to, mm-hmm. that interesting kidnapping and intrigue going oh, yeah. on in that, it gets dark. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the idea for Five Trail came particularly from David Coors, a vice president and family member who has been charged with making Molson Coors more of a broader beverage conglomerate. And indeed, the company now has dozens of brands under its umbrella, including craft beers, hard seltzers, <laughs> and even a gourmet soda. I don't know if you can call them. Yeah, yeah he obviously same. can't call them craft beers. Not but anymore. They said umbrella, and I was hoping they were going to be like canned cocktails, and they had a picture of a canned cocktail with a little fruity umbrella in it. <laughs> so I'm wondering, who have they bought? I'm, I'm just curious. But uh, ironically, David Coors recalls first pitching the plan for the company to move into spirits two decades ago, only to be met with a firm rejection, as he tells it, the family's response at the time went something like this. We're good at making one thing, and that's beer. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and that's debatable. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, times have changed, and American whiskey is increasingly seen as a hot category. Sales of bourbon and Tennessee whiskey have surged 48.8% based on supplier revenue. Over the past five years, according to the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Well, of course, they're going to say those numbers are great. And that made David Coors' idea suddenly rather sensible. And the fact that there's this great company out in Indiana known as NGP (laughs) who will make your whiskey dreams come true. You just come to them and they'll they'll walk up to their computer and they'll hit all the buttons (laughs) That'll tell them we need to put (laughs) these things in this barrel and put this barrel in this place in this rickhouse, and it'll give you the flavor profile you want. I like to imagine David is like the screw up (laughs) of the the Coors family, and he goes there, and they're just like, All right, and what kind of whiskey would you like? And he just hits some buttons, like, I want it to taste like tacos. (laughs) Sir, no, too late. Pulls a, I'm assuming there's a lever he pulls and it starts working. They're just like, has to be a lever. Oh God! Which blue? What have we done? Which blue is he? I mean, <laughs> some some mix of like Gob of uh, Job and uh, uh, in my head it's a mix of Job and uh, Tobias. Gobias. Gobias. <laughs> Tobe. 
<laughs> but what kind of whiskey would fit under the banner of a company associated with beer? David Kors came up with a plan to make a blended spirit that would incorporate an American single malt whiskey, similar to scotch. Uh, malt is a key ingredient in beer, after all, along with a few different bourbons and tacos. No, I just added that last bit to humor. I literally looked up for a second going, does it actually say tacos? I didn't see that. No, no. Uh, all whiskey came from sources outside of the company, though it's not inconceivable that Molson Coors could eventually do its own distilling. Uh, I, don't, I, I was just throwing that out there about MGP. I don't know if they're actually the ones making it. At the very least, David Coors is planning uh, on annual releases of Five Trail with different blends in the future. He sees the first release limited to 60,000 bottles as a way to simply get into the whiskey game. This is just dipping our toe in the water, he says. When you're... Sorry, I'm picturing that ad campaign where it's like, when the mountains are blue as the, you know, blue, it means your beer is as cold as the Rockies. Like, when the whiskey is blue, it's as cold as the Rockies. Is <laughs> that what you want? <laughs> no. I will when, say, though, the I I think the bottles look nice. Like, I clicked on the link to go to the website, and I was like, oh, okay. I don't like the bottles. I don't of know. Course. <laughs> so, I, I get it. Like, that is... The, that style of bottle is like picture perfect, like old medicine man, or you, you see that and you just think of, you just think dusty roads and wagons and you're just like, no, that's oh. like stepping back in time. You're like, I get I, why. I thought you were about to break into uh, like saying this whiskey's getting ready to fight Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and my big daddy. No. Uh, I, I get why everyone does whiskey bottles like that. I mean, what else? What the hell else are they going to look like? Everyone can't have E.H. Taylor bottles, which are like five yeah. miles tall and <laughs> slender. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by the. Um, cause, so this is articles from Market Watch, and they, uh, I guess they got to taste test it. And they're tasting notes of, let's see. Uh, it said tacos. I mean, <laughs> a malty richness reminiscent of scotch with the sweet notes of bourbon. Uh, you can. Picking up flavors ranging from biscuits and roasted nuts to caramel and vanilla. Tastes like I ate into a, gord a, a bite of a gordita. I'm intrigued, is all. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, I know. I just really like this taco joke at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got to beat that dead it. horse. <laughs> yeah. Says right here uh, has notes of Nachos Bel Grande. <laughs> Mountain Dew uh, Baja Blast on the nose. <laughs> I was getting ready to say it. <laughs> Their whiskey's blue. <sighs> in conjunction with, with Mountain Dew. Oh, God. <laughs> on that note. Always end on the We're going to some kind of bourbon hell, I'm sure. <laughs> ah, so we'd like to remind everyone, this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear somehow and want to support have a drink <laughs> please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show and we will see you again we'll make you that taco whiskey <laughs> god that's that's that's, that's a that's a high it's oh. a high value uh, uh uh donation though oh yeah yeah uh we will see you again another couple of weeks for the next live episode once again i'm Brittany walker i'm just and i'm christopher walker and we'll see you guys next time Bye. Bye.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>